The information provided in this podcast episode is for education and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional and should not be considered or used as clinical or professional consultation. With that said, here is a taste of what you will get in today's episode. This is not just central to the United States of America. You know, these things are happening in other countries where the black life is not respected. The black life is beaten. The black life is taken. Um, But then the black life is used for profit in so many ways, which is an episode for a whole nother day. Now keep listening to today's episode because there are some cultural jewels that I am dropping on y'all. And of course, thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the episode. Malcolm X 1925 to 1965. Malcolm X admired for his bare honesty, fiery personality, and dramatic speeches, raised himself from the core of the black ghetto, and lashed out against the forces which perpetrated segregation, oppression, and denial of black worth. He did not believe in turning the other cheek, standing in direct opposition to the nonviolent movement. He believed that it was a crime for any race to accept brutality without exercising measures of self-defense. He stated, quote, if that's how Christian philosophy is interpreted, if that's what Gandhian philosophy teaches, well, then I will call them criminal philosophies, end quote. Malcolm X, born Malcolm Little on May 19, 1925, in Omaha, Nebraska, was the fourth of eight children of Earl and Louise Little. His father was a Baptist preacher who believed in the secular teaching of the nationalist Marcus Garvey. His mother was a mulatto born on the island of Grenia in the West Indies. White vigilantes ran the Littles out of Nebraska and they settled in Lansing, Michigan, where Malcolm spent his early childhood. Klansmen burned the Littles' home and Mr. Little was beaten to death and left under the wheels of a streetcar. Although officials determined the death to be an accident, Malcolm felt it was caused by white racists. At the age of six, having no other avenue at his disposal to avenge his father's death, Malcolm began to hate all whites. Malcolm's mother moved the family to Detroit and they were separated. Ironically, Malcolm was placed in the foster care of a white couple who, by his own admission, treated him well. Although Malcolm possessed an above average intelligence and was an apt student, he dropped out of school after the eighth grade and ran away to Boston and later to Harlem in New York. There at age 15, he began a life of crime. Detroit Red, excuse me, or Big Red as he was called, melted into the underworld of numbers, drugs, confidence games, stealing, and prostitution. Before reaching his 21st birthday, he was sentenced to serve from 8 to 10 years in Massachusetts State Prison for burglary. 
With prison came Malcolm's reform and a turning point in his life. He wisely used his prison time for self-education and scholarly development. In search of a cause to give meaning and worth to his life, he read avidly, including the entire contents of a Webster dictionary. He learned of the Black Muslim movement and the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. When he re-entered society in 1952, he changed his name to Malcolm X and became an outstanding minister in the Nation of Islam. In 1956, Malcolm's Harlem Mosque was cited as one of the most successful. By the early 1960s, Malcolm was one of the most controversial and popular black men in America, overshadowing his superior, Elijah Muhammad, so much that Malcolm was suspended from the ministry. Nevertheless, he continued to glorify Muhammad's name. In 1963, Malcolm branched out on his own and formed the Organization of Afro-American Unity, becoming a hero in the eyes of many Black Americans. He traveled all over the United States with a message of Black manhood and independence. Because Malcolm was a commanding and forceful speaker, he was also a busy lecturer at universities and a frequent guest on radio and television talk shows. In 1964, Malcolm made a pilgrimage to Mecca, Saudi Arabia, and also journeyed throughout Africa. The experience gained from these trips changed him greatly, and he renounced Mr. Muhammad's teaching against all whites. During a speech in New York City on February 21st, 1965, Malcolm X was assassinated. However, before his death, Malcolm X had overcome his hatred for whites and had begun to realize that the races could work together to build a democratic society. What's up, y'all? I'm coming on real quick to ask you to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, please make sure to leave a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Because when you leave a review, it helps other people find my podcast, which ultimately is helping more people be culturally aware. So after this episode, take a few seconds to leave a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by simply talking with you about the daily experiences I have as a Black woman. You know what I'm about to say. I believe that if you all can hear my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, which helps you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. And if you happen to be a Black listener, I truly, truly believe that by listening to the experiences of my cultural walk, you will feel validated, liberated, and empowered 
every time you listen to my episodes because you are hearing and witnessing me, your Black sister, boldly stepping into my full-fledged Blackness, and you are witnessing the beauty of that walk. So, with all of that whole mouthful said, let's get into today's episode, which is entitled The Black Life in 2020. Just as a reminder, you guys, we have one more episode, which will air next week. And then after that, I am taking my little sabbatical um, for the holidays and I will be back, fingers crossed, on the first Wednesday of January. All right, let's get into the Welcome to Our World segment. For those of you who don't know, again, Welcome to Our World is really just that. Welcome to Our World, Our World of Being Black, what's going on in our world, and all of that good stuff. So I am only highlighting the good stuff in the Welcome to Our World section today because it's just too much happening. And, you know, you guys will get a little taste of that in today's episode, but I ain't gonna stay there long because it's just, it's a lot happening with Black people. However, there is some really, really good and fancy, great things happening for us as a people. So let's get into it. Um, The first thing I want to just highlight is Joe Biden has picked the retired Army General, Mr. Lloyd Austin, to be the Secretary of Defense. So if he is, um, oh, I forget the technical word. It is slipping my mind. Um, But if it's accepted, you know, it's a fancy word, but it really just means accepted. He will be the first black man to lead the Department of Defense. I mean, that is amazing. That is an achievement. That is wonderful. And um, General Lloyd Austin has a really, um, a really good record. Just one thing I can name is he served as vice chief of staff of the army. And if you chief of staff of anything, whether you the chief of staff or the vice chief of staff, that's a high rank. So, um, there is talk that, um, confirmed, that's the word that I'm looking for. If he's confirmed, he will be the first black man to lead the Department of Defense. Y'all know I go off on these little tangents sometimes, but that was the word I was looking for. Um, and so hopefully he will be confirmed. Um, there's talk that he might need a congressional waiver because he's only been retired for four years. And in order to assume the roles, supposedly you're supposed to have been retired for at least seven years. However, this same situation took place with y'all's current president um, when he came into office and the person that he selected was confirmed and they received a congressional waiver. So we gonna hope that this black man get the same treatment. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying that anyway. So that's a really, really great thing. It seems as though Biden is really trying to diversify, you know, all these people that he are appointing and selecting. So, you know, hats off to him for, you know, trying and, and, and making some diversity and picking some folks of color. So I really, really hope that um, Mr. Lloyd Austin becomes our first black man to lead the Department of Defense. Um, Moving on to some other good news, we have Rashida Jones, 
who will become the president of MSNBC. She is going to be the first black person to run a major network. Like that is big. And so I think um, if my memory serves me correctly, she will take that position on February the 1st. So shortly after Biden's inauguration, she will take that position. And again, I mean, these are really, really big milestones for us in the black community, um, being able to assume these really high roles and be good at what we do. So good that we are put in these positions, you know? So for us out there that are black people listening, for my youth that are listening, again, don't let nobody tell you that you know you come from nothing or that you are nothing or don't let this society make you believe that you are not of high caliber and high quality because that is just a bald-faced lie um another thing and welcome to our world two more things then i'm gonna get to the music choice of the week and then i'm gonna get into the episode but um michael eric dyson dr michael eric dyson should i say has a new book out and it is called Long Time Coming, Reckoning with Race in America. And so if you guys don't know, let me just get the book really quick. He is the author of, I want to get the title right, um, Tears We Cannot Stop. And that book came out a couple of years ago. Let me just flip through real quick, y'all. It came out in 2017. Um, I actually have not had a chance to read that book. It's still on my shelf. It's such a little book. I should be able to read it, but I found the audio books. You know, I got that whole toddler. (laughs) And so I haven't been able to read the tears. We cannot stop, but I have started on audiobook, long time coming reckoning with race in America. And it's, it's kind of heavy. Um, what I've started with, it starts off very heavy But what I will say is I think the way he's talking and the way I've seen Michael Dyson talk, um, even when he talked to Bill Maher about his foolery and using the N-word, he has a way of, um, what's the word? He has a way of kind of, um, I wouldn't say shielding or sheltering or protecting, but he lands the blow very softly. Um, So if those of you out there who are not black and just want some more information, but sometimes harshness is hard for you, he is harsh and he is real. Don't don't get it twisted what I'm saying. But the way that he lands these blows are just a little soft and a little easy to digest. Um, And so I think that might be a good starting point for people. For those of us in the black community, I think it's just very validating to hear the things that he's already starting off with in this book. I'm not going to spoil anything for you all. Um, But again, I do have it on audiobook. Okay, listen, I know I just stopped the podcast in the middle of you listening and I'm sure you was just into it and enjoying yourself. But I just need you to do me a really, really quick favor. Go really quick to the show notes and I need you to click on my survey link. My survey is anonymous and I really want to hear from you. So if you haven't done so already, just go over and scroll right now while you're listening to my show 
and just click the survey and fill it out. You know you be multitasking, so you can do this while you're listening. It really literally only takes about two minutes to complete my survey. And just let me hear from you. I just, I want to know some things. So share some information with me. It's anonymous. You can multitask. You know you're probably doing something right now while you're listening to the podcast. So go over to the show notes, find my survey link, take the survey, and let me know some stuff. All right, let's get back to the episode. And y'all ain't got to go spending no money on audiobook. Let me just say, and I, you know, I probably should have got a sponsor for this, but I'm going to still just name it. You guys can find the app Libby, if I'm saying it right, um, L-I-B-B-Y, and you can rent books. It's like a library. So if you have a library card, I mean, I don't know if this works outside of California, because I know a lot of you listen to me kind of all over, but just check out the app and see if you can upload your library card and you can kind of download books that are audiobook or you could just read books that are ebooks and you ain't got to spend no money. So that's how um, I was able to start reading uh, Dr. Dyson's book. But again, I think it's a, it's a validating for us in the black community to kind of hear some of the things that he's saying. And then of course, a couple of episodes ago, I talked about what happens when black folks get woke, woke. And so if you just starting to wake up, I think Michael Dyson is a good person to start with. And if you really want to get woke, woke, go back and listen to that episode. I've listed a bunch of names of people that can take you like deeper, deeper, deeper. The last thing I want to say for the welcome to our world, um, segment is the versus battle. Now listen, I was excited about the Brandy and Monica versus battle that happened a couple of weeks ago. But let me tell you, my husband told me about this lineup right here that's about to happen this weekend. And I cannot wait for this to take place. So I'm so excited about this versus battle. It's with Keisha Cole and Ashanti. And I am also a big fan of both of them as well. However, I am a little bit more of a fan of Keisha Cole because, you know, Keisha is from Oakland and she like from the flatlands of Oakland. She like from East Oakland, you know, so like from one girl from the hood to another girl from the hood. I can't wait (laughs) to hear the hits that Keisha Cole just kind of roll out. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that she roll out some new music. Because a lot of times on these verses of battle, people be dropping new music. And so I, I love me some Keisha Cole. She be singing. She be telling the truth. And I just like her vibe, though, because she is, she is so Oakland. She's so Oakland, and I love it. But let me tell you, I love Ashanti, too. Uh, she be having some hits as well. And she got a lot of swag. And I, I liked a lot of her music um, when she came out and the stuff that she has just produced over the years. So this is going to be a real good battle. And it's going to be hard to see who is going to win this battle. Like, because this, they both got some hits. So I am real, very much so excited about this battle. Um, all right. Let's get into the music choice of the week. So in light of Christmas, which is just my favorite, favorite, favorite time of the year. I love the lights. I love the music. I love like the the pretty paper and all that stuff. My music choice is going to be two people, sisters, 
which is Tamar Braxton and Tony Braxton. Um, if y'all don't know, y'all should y'all should know who Tony Braxton is. Like, if you don't know who Tony Braxton is, I'm gonna need you to hit pause and just Google her and listen to one or two of her songs and then come back here. Like, normally I don't tell people to pause my podcast, but listen, if you don't know who Tony Braxton is, get it together and go and Google one or two of her songs. Her voice is amazing. But anyway, Tony Tamar Braxton is Tony Braxton's younger sister. And so Tamar Braxton has a Christmas album called Winter Wonderland. I really like the album. And the two songs that I love and can listen to on repeat all the time is Away in the Manger, which is also mixed with Little Drummer Boy, and then Sleigh Ride. I love um, both of those songs on her album. And then Toni Braxton's album... Um, her Christmas album is called Snowflakes. It came out a couple of years ago. And um, the, my favorite song on that album is Holiday Celebrate. Love, love that song. It's a whole vibe. So just wanted to put that out there for y'all um, as we get into this Christmas holiday. And then after Christmas, we're going to move into this Kwanzaa holiday time. And yes, I enjoy both of them, okay? That is the beauty of, you know, culture. I embrace them both. I love Christmas and I am loving Kwanzaa. The more and more and more that I like get info about it and learn about it, I'm like, this is great. So can't wait to start that on December the 26th. But anyway, (laughs) let's get into um, today's episode where we will be talking about the black life in 2020. So I'm gonna just let you know kind of what we're gonna be talking about. And then um, we're gonna take a commercial break and then we'll come back and like really jump into the episode. So today when we talk about the black life in 2020, I just wanna take a little bit of time and talk about like how our life has been taken and has been disrespected. And then I wanna spend some time talking about how our life has also been honored in 2020 and how our life needs to be appreciated in 2020. And I'll just break those things down for you all um, after we come back from the commercial break. And then we'll just kind of move through the show really quickly and that'll be it for today. Y'all know I'm trying to work on having shorter episodes. Um, So anyway, let's take a moment to take a commercial break. Um, Y'all already know what I'm about to say. Listen to all the commercials because y'all got that good information about Malcolm X and his life. So you have got to just wait and see what happens with this next black civil rights leader and wherever I plop him in at. Um, So I'll be right back. Take a break. Go get you a snack. Drink you some water. But as always, listen to all of those commercials so you can find out about that next civil rights leader. I'll be right back. What's up, you guys? You already know what this section of the podcast is about. This is my business update where I update all of you guys on what's going on and what's new with my business. As I always say, make sure to listen to this entire commercial because it is ever-changing because things in my business are ever-changing. Everything I'm about to share with you can be found in more detail on my website, which is www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. All right. So my cultural edition planner has 
been released. It is full of worksheets and all kind of good stuff. It is handmade with cultural love. So you need to go on over and order your copy now under the books and products tab on my website. A description of the planner can be found there as well. And on January 30th of 2021, I will be doing yet another one of my trainings, which is entitled Cultural Awareness When Working with the African-American Community. Um, You can find more details about how to register for that workshop on my website. These right now are the current updates that I am doing in my business. Again, you can check out the details of all that I've described here on my website because one, if not both, of these things will help you bloom into your best self. Isaac Myers, a businessman, mason, and pioneer labor organizer, was founder and president of the first Black National Labor Union in American history. Born on January 13, 1835 in Baltimore, Maryland, he was the only son of freeborn parents. Black children were deprived of educational opportunities, resulting in Myers being privately tutored by a local minister until his 16th birthday. He was later an apprentice to a well-known black ship caulker. Myers became so proficient in his job that he was promoted to supervisor in one of the largest shipyards in Baltimore. In Mayer's time, the responsibility of cockers was very important. The halls of ships were made of wood and cockers had the tedious job of applying pitch and gum to crevices between planks and beams to prevent leakage. Before the Civil War, whites sought to drive blacks out of the caulking trade by using violence. In 1865, white caulkers and ship carpenters joined forces to have black caulkers and longshoremen discharged from the shipping trade in Baltimore. Supported by local government and police, they were successful. Isaac Myers called a meeting of unemployed caulkers and took steps to counteract the removal of blacks from the trade. He proposed that they form an all-black union called the Colored Cockers Trade Union Society by pooling their resources to purchase a shipyard and a railway. Stock was issued and Myers raised $10,000 from Blacks in Baltimore. He also borrowed $30,000 from a ship captain and took possession of the Chesapeake Marine Railroad and Dry Dock Company in February of 1866. Several months later, he hired more than 300 Black workers at an average wage of $3 per day. Under Meyer's supervision, his workers attained an outstanding reputation for excellent workmanship. Not only did Myers begin to receive contracts from white ship owners, but also from the United States government. In just five years, 
Myers was able to pay off the $40,000 mortgage of his company and, as business expanded, added whites to his list of employees. Myers entertained the idea of organizing a black labor union on a national scale, which would work cooperatively with white labor unions for the betterment of all union workers. His dream was realized when the White National Labor Union, in an unprecedented action, extended a formal invitation to all persons, regardless of color, to attend their annual convention. Myers attended the convention and was commissioned to investigate the prospect of organizing a national network. He succeeded as a result of this involvement in establishing the Colored National Labor Union in 1869, the first of its kind in American history. Myers remained active in his local union years after the demise of the CNLU. He held several government posts and was the owner of a collard, coal yard, excuse me, during his lifetime. He was organizer and president of the Maryland Colored State Industrial Fair Association, the Colored Businessmen's Association, the Colored Building and Loan Association, the Aged Ministry of the AME Church, and the superintendent of the Bethel AME School of Baltimore for 15 years. He was also a grand master of the Maryland Masons and authored the Masons Digest. Isaac Mayers died on January 28, 1891, and was survived by a second wife, Sarah, and his son, George. His was the largest black funeral at that time in Baltimore's history. All right, y'all. So I am back. So again, today's episode is entitled The Black Life in 2020. And we're just going to talk about what our black life has looked like in this year. Um, and I, you know, I want to start by kind of having us start at the low point and then building us up. And so that you can hopefully feel uplifted by the end of the episode. So just bear with the feelings as we move our way up to some positivity. But I just want to start with the, the sadness of the black life in 2020, because if I tried to ignore that or sugarcoat it, it wouldn't be representative of the black life in 2020. And so our life in 2020 and way before 2020, let me just let me just take a moment to name that. Okay. So I want people who are not black listening to understand that this has been going on long before the year 2020. Okay. Y'all just for whatever reason are starting to now open your eyes to it because y'all been seeing it. You just didn't have your eyes open to it. Okay. And so just know that long before 2020, we've been dealing with these things and our life has been taken um, and has been disrespected for decades, generations, centuries, years, all of that stuff. Right. And so But what I do want to highlight is that in 2020, it has been very 
very broadcasted literally how our life has been taken and how our life has been disrespected. You know, we started off the year um, with Ahmaud Arbery, um, with Brianna, Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, all of these black lives that were taken and, and, and taken in a disrespectful way, um, disregarded as human, no one really caring about the protests that were taking place. Um, it's just a shame what has taken place in 2020 with the black life and how it has been disrespected. And I know I keep saying that over and over, but I just want to really highlight the fact that in 2020, we have seen the black life taken and be disrespected and or both, right? And so recently we have Casey Goodson, who was a 23-year-old shot in front of his grandmother on his grandmother's steps. Um, That happened recently. Um, We had a black man beaten in France where it has kind of caused this uproar of protests. We had another black man beaten to death in Brazil, um, which has also caused protests. And it's just too much. You know what I mean? This is not just central to the United States of America. You know, these things are happening in other countries where the black life is not respected. The black life is beaten. The black life is taken. Um, But then the black life is used for profit in so many ways, which is an episode for a whole nother day, right? And so... I think it's just really important for us to remember, you know, what is happening and that these things are continuing to happen, right? Like this is not just, oh, it ended with, you know, that killing or that protest, you know, or that outrage or that outcry. It's still happening, which is is a almost a testament to the disrespect of the black life in 2020 with all the protests continuously going on we are still continually continually excuse me being killed continually being profiled continually being disrespected degraded talked down to discriminated against these things are happening simultaneously and so there is a long way that society needs to go and needs to get in order to understand the importance of the black life and just what the black life does for society um which leads me to really wanted to talk about the fact that the black life in 2020 has been honored as well Hello. Yes, it's me again. I had to pause the podcast real quick to promote my newsletter subscription. Are you signed up to my newsletter? If so, thank you so much. If not, what are you waiting for? Go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. Each month you get a cultural newsletter and each week you get a cultural tip and it's free. It's really no excuse for you not to be signed up to my newsletters, especially if you listen to the podcast. So go and sign up. All righty, let's get back to the podcast. And um, just to name two, we, we have Chadwick Bosman 
and John Lewis, right? And so if we start with John Lewis, you know, following the principles of like honoring the elders, um, even though he's passed away, you know, he was a mega civil rights leader. He did so much to, um, you know, fight for justice and equality. And we saw his life be honored this year in 2020, regardless of what this foolish joke of a president tried to do to taint his name and to take the attention off of the fact that this great man had passed away. Regardless of all of that foolish and that rhetoric, John Lewis was still honored. The things he did to contribute to society was honored. Uh, homage was paid to him as it should have been. You know, homage needs to be paid to the black life in 2020 and the black life needs to be honored. We had Chadwick Bosman, you know, God rest his soul. He died so young and he was honored in 2020. And I think one thing that is so hard with the Chadwick situation is he was so young and it was so unexpected because of his work ethic and how much he did and how well he did his job. Even the people closest to him, as far as other actors or, or actresses, did not know what he was struggling with. That shows you the strength and the the just the high caliber. I think that this word caliber and <laughs> keeps coming to mind, but it's just like such a high caliber, high grade quality of a black life. Like look at that level of integrity that this man had. None of us knew that he was struggling with cancer. None of us knew that he was going through chemotherapy. And we all know, and we should know how daunting chemotherapy is, how draining it is, how difficult it is. And he's sitting up here filming the, the, one of the best movies ever. I just, I just want to go back to Wakanda all because of Chadwick. And yes, I know Wakanda ain't real, but let me tell you, I'd rather be there than here now. I tell you that for sure. But all jokes aside, that life needed to be honored. The black life in 2020 needs to be honored on so many different levels and not just those that we've lost, right? I want to make that important point. The black life in 2020 needs to be honored for what it's doing. The black life needs to be honored for the fact that we out there in the streets during a pandemic protesting and saying that our lives matter. The black life needs to be mad, needs to be honored because we are doing so much legwork. You know what I mean? The black life is on the front lines, literally. It's so many black medical staff members. It's so many black clerks that work in the store that keep things going. It's so many black delivery workers that get your packages to you so that you ain't got to go in the store and, you know, put yourself at risk. Like black life needs to be honored on the basic level. And then if we moving up, black life needs to be honored in everyday things, you know, Things like this versus battle that I talked about earlier that so many millions of people tune into gives us some respite. That is at the hands of two black men that came together from the music industry and decided, let's just do this to give people respite since they can't go nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, let's just honor the black life. There's so many things that we do to contribute to society 
that we need to appreciate. And that's going to bring me to my final point after this commercial break. So go ahead, listen to all the commercials, get you a, a little drink of water while I go pay these bills and I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like really considered your culture first, not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one, st.org. We are so excited about this, and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. All right, y'all. So I am back. So before I end the show, and like I said before, I went to the commercial break, um, the Black life needs to be honored and appreciated, right? We really, in 2020, need to appreciate the Black life because there are so many things that have taken place that have moved forward because of the Black life, right? So y'all can feel however you want to feel about what I'm about to say, but I'm going to just keep saying it and I'm that's just what it is. The Black life has been a part of finally changing this administration in the White House, okay? I'm telling you, I almost bet my bottom dollar. If Kamala Harris was not on that ticket, and if Obama, both the Obamas, Michelle, but particularly if Barack hadn't got up on that campaign trail with Biden, I don't know if we would be having Joe Biden as the president-elect. I don't think we would. And y'all can feel however you want to feel, but I'm going to attribute this change to the black life. Kamala Harris is a beast. People can say whatever they want. And I'm a beast in a good way. Let me just hold Because listen, I could hear I could hear the cultural panties and boxes in a bunch. Let me just be clear. I am a black woman, okay? And so from one black woman to another black woman, to name that she's a beast that's a compliment. It's not a derogatory because it has a little bit of black swang and 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 slang to it, okay? Now, if somebody else want to call her a beast, that's a problem. And if y'all don't understand how that work, then that's something I'm not trying to explain right now. But that is a compliment to her because she does the damn thing. People can feel how they want to feel about whether she for the people or not, but she knows her stuff. She does well with her job. She be 
in the court getting at the people. She'd be asking the questions that need to be asked and she'd be getting the answers. And so I am confident that she ain't gonna play no games with Biden and she ain't gonna let him do no foolery and she ain't gonna let no people up in the White House do no foolery either. And I think that's one reason that he won and he is going to be, you know, our president in a couple of weeks, praise Jesus. And if Obama hadn't have got on that trail and if he hadn't have been, I mean, he, he went at Trump and he went at Trump so hard and so, so eloquently and so sophisticated and just so like black that it was, it almost went over your head just how rough he was getting at Trump and how much truth he was speaking and how he was actually standing up to this so-called bully. And again, if he hadn't have been on the campaign trail helping out, I don't know. And so I think just, if that's all I say for this segment, that's all that needs to be said because the truth of the matter is just them two black people need to be appreciated for the change that they are bringing in about with this administration. Um, and we just need to appreciate just them two black lives in 2020. But if we want to look at it even further, we need to appreciate the people like the black life in 2020 as the people, because the people spoke Charlemagne, the guy from the breakfast club pressured and pressured and pressured Joe Biden to put a black woman on the ticket with him. The people spoke who voted as far as black folks. We, we came out in droves and we made our voice heard. And we have to remember that we have the power to do this and we need to be appreciated for the legwork that we are putting in in this country in 2020. It just, we need to be appreciated for that. Um, There's like not a lot of appreciation for the fact that we literally assisted in building civilization. And again, I talked about some of this and I dropped some names in my episode about um, when black folks get woke. And I think the episode previous to that. And so if y'all don't believe me, then do your research. Again, I'm gonna let y'all know, look at the movie or the documentary Out of Darkness. It's on Prime and you can rent it. Or if you got Prime membership, it is free. It's by Anthony Browder. And any of the questions that you wanna give me, um or the things that you are challenging, just watch the documentary. It's like scientifically proven. But again, the black life needs to be appreciated. I mean, down to, again, everything that we think of, we really assisted with building the wealth of this country by forced labor, right? Prior to coming over here, we were, a, we are still, but prior to coming over, we were a great people, you know, with, again, very civilized forms and organized and intelligent forms of civilization that were developed as the blueprint for the rest of society, right? And we have to remember that we are still a great people with that lineage, right? We have existed before slavery and we assisted this country long before slavery and we built this country during slavery. Okay. And we need to be appreciated for that. And even just now, basic, the basics in 2020 appreciated for, again, the entertainment that we are providing people while they are stuck at home, um, for the news reporting that we are doing, the journalism that we are doing, 
the therapy that we are providing people, um, the support that we're providing people, going out on the front lines and protesting um, again during a time of a pandemic, the medical professionals um, helping you during a time of the pandemic. We need to be appreciated. In 2020, the black life needs to be appreciated. Brianna, Brianna Taylor's life needs to be appreciated because it is opening the eyes of people to realize the fact that we do have two justice systems, just like George Floyd's father said. Um, no, it wasn't George Floyd's father. My bad. Um, I'm so sorry for that mix up. Um, it wasn't his father. The other man's name is Blanken because, again, it's so many people and black people that have been affected by these things that it gets confusing of who said what because all of it basically is um, the same. But again, the the point that I'm trying to make, Jacob Blake, excuse me, that's whose um, father said we have two justice systems. We need to be, you know, we need to be appreciative of his life, right? Um, he's still here, but look what he had to go through and what his life has transformed into because of the act of a racist cop, right? Um, these lives that were lost, we need to be appreciative of them because they have, again, opened our eyes and opened not our eyes as black people, but other people's eyes to the fact that America has not come a long way, okay? Y'all can stop with all of that and we can really just talk about where America needs to go, because she ain't went nowhere, in my opinion. And we just need to pay attention to that. And we need to appreciate all the Black people prior to us, all the Black people currently, and all the Black people that will walk before, you know, after us and appreciate the foundation that they are laying. So that's all I want to say today, y'all. Um, you know, that was a little bit of a rant today, but you know, that's what it's all about. Y'all walking today in my culture. And so that's kind of where I was coming from today. Anywho, for the cultural tidbit today, I am encouraging y'all, yes, a shameless plug to go to my website and purchase my cultural planner. It is going to help you to be culturally aware 365 days of the year. And so you can see in the show notes when you scroll down a little bit um, under the information on my cultural planner, you can find my cultural planner there. Um, And to maybe look up one of the resources that I named in the episode today, either Michael Dyson's book Or if you are not looking for anything too heavy, you could look up, you know, Tamar Braxton or Tony Braxton's album, Um, you know, all that good stuff. You can go watch Black Panther. You could look up some information on John Lewis. It's a whole bunch of things that you can do for your cultural tidbit embedded within this episode. And so make sure you just pick one and do that. Alrighty, y'all. It was so good to be with y'all today. And until the next time we chat, I am truly hoping that you do something that will help you bloom into your best self. And as usual, I am so excited to have you join me real soon so that you can walk another day in my culture.